we now have opportunity to hear God's word to us as he shares with us in Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here ends the reading of our scripture. Well, brothers and sisters, today we're going to look at that passage from Romans chapter 5, which you heard read a little while ago. It's a great passage that speaks of how God has done all things for us. And, and really, we want to start by first thinking about the way that we deal with things we've been given and things that we have and things that are ours in this world. And the truth is, when we start looking at, at all the things we possess, at all the things that we're capable of possessing, we, we always want more, right? Inside of us is a preschooler who, even though we have an ice cream in our hand, we want more, right? We want more. We want more whatever it is that we have. And, and maybe you say to yourself, well, ice cream's not my thing. But the truth is, we all, we all have the thing that we want more of, and when we get more of it, we realize we just want more, right? And we decide that what we have, the, uh, the sum that we have isn't enough. And even if we're satisfied for a little while, we're not satisfied completely. And so we still, we want more and more and more. In fact, as I was kind of looking at this phenomenon, as I was kind of thinking about it, I, I did a little investigation. I found out that psychologists call this hedonic adaptation, right? Hedonic adaptation. And you can see this in the little chart. That, that shows up on your screen, this little chart, and it goes like this. It's a, it's a vicious circle of desire, of getting what you desire, and then of adapting to the fact that you've gotten it. And once you begin to adapt, once you begin to realize it's yours and it may or may not satisfy for a season, once you have it, then all of a sudden you, you adapt to it and it leads to unhappiness. And so then the whole cycle starts over again with renewed desire. And then if you have the opportunity to get it, you get that thing, whatever it is, and again, you adapt to it and then it leads to unhappiness. It's a cycle. Again, I, I'm not making this stuff up. It's a cycle of hedonic adaptation. You should hear in that hedonism, right? Hedonism says those things of the flesh are the things which are most important, and our flesh is never satisfied. Flesh always wants more and more and more, and we never get enough. And so it probably shouldn't surprise us that we behave the same way toward faith. And we ask all sorts of questions of our faith. We, we begin to question whether our faith is enough or whether we have enough faith. 
We begin to question whether we believe enough or we believe the right things. When we start questioning those things, we're really saying, do I have enough faith? And even deeper, do I have enough faith to see me through? Is faith enough? And in this Romans 5 passage is an interesting passage to ask that question about because in truth, Romans chapter 5 speaks nothing of just enough. In fact, just listen to the way it starts off. Listen to this again. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Right? None of that is in any way about a little. In fact, it's all about enough. It's all about having plenty. It's all about things being complete. We have been justified. Not, well, first of all, you remember what justified means. It means as if we have no sin, right? Our sin has been taken away. We've been justified, not just a little bit justified, but we've been completely justified through faith. And because we've been justified, because we've been forgiven, we have peace with our Heavenly Father. Again, not just a little bit of peace, but complete peace with our Father to know that God is not an enemy but instead to know that God loves us. And then we've gained access in this now to the grace in which we now stand. So we have more and more of the grace of God, God's gifts given to us that we don't merit, right? I I mentioned it a few weeks ago, God's riches at Christ's expense. We have access to that grace. A little bit of grace, no, complete grace. We've been justified. We have been forgiven. We have been given peace with our Heavenly Father, we have gained access into grace and we will dwell eternity. This passage not only talks about this, but then goes on in verse nine. It goes on to say, and this, we have now been justified. And since we have now been justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So not only does it say that we have a complete amount of all these things, it says we will be given more because our salvation is complete. Now that we've been reconciled, it's complete, complete, accomplished, done, whole, and there's no perhaps or a little or maybe just a bit more. There's none of that. This passage seems to say nothing about enough. It seems to say nothing to those who might wonder if they have enough faith. But in reality, we are a people who have questions. It's part of the brokenness of our humanity. We question even those things which are right. We're a people who have questions. Everyone's not sure and confident in their faith. In fact, fact, I know a lot of people aren't sure and confident in their faith. I know because I've had people talk to me about this. I have people talk to me about this on a regular basis, people who are honest and open and willing to speak about it. And they speak about moments of difficulty when they don't know if they believe enough. And what what they mean by that oftentimes is that they have doubts. They have doubts about some of the things that they read in Scripture. They have doubts about, about whether things happened the way it says that they happened. They have doubts because sometimes the things there seem so far from the things that they know in life. So they doubt they believe enough. Of others, who in moments of honesty are willing to talk about fact that they feel like they don't trust enough. Right? They, they, don't, they don't trust God. They don't, they don't trust what God has in store for them. They don't trust that God cares about their daily lives and that God cares about their life in general. Many of them will even say, I trust that God has a plan for my ultimate salvation, but I want to know about today or tomorrow. They don't know if they trust enough. 
had another one, or I've had other ones, excuse me, say that they don't know if they're strong enough to look forward, especially in moments of greatest difficulty. In moments when, when the world seems completely against them, I don't know if I'm strong enough to look forward. I don't know if I have confidence that tomorrow will be better. I don't know if I can have hope. We're a people who have questions. People will live as if it's not enough, as if faith in God isn't enough. Maybe you've dealt with some of those doubts yourself. Maybe you've had some of those same probing questions about your own faith, about your own, about your own walk with the Lord. Maybe, maybe that's something that you're struggling with right now. And if, if you are, I'm going to tell you you're not alone. Truth is, a lot of people have been dealing with a lot of stuff in the last year or so. We've been dealing with COVID, a pandemic that none of us expected and none of us expected to have to walk through. And in the midst of all of that, it's raised questions for people. I've heard them, and you've probably heard them too, or maybe you've even asked them, and I've asked them too. Questions like, why doesn't God just take this away? Especially, especially when I think about the fact that there are people who are, who are too afraid, again, not saying that that's wrong, to come to church. People who are fearful of their own health, people who have reasons to be suspicious, and so they don't want to go out, and they're told that church is a bad place or a place where they might potentially get infected. When I hear those things, when I hear that this this in fact, I'm sorry, this, uh, this virus is keeping people from church. I, I ask that question of God all the time, and I bet you do too. God, why don't you take this away? It's clearly not good for the faith of your people. Other people have seen loved ones get sick, have seen people die. They've asked those questions that often accompany death. Like, why didn't God stop it? Why didn't he take it away? Where's God? We faced a lot of that. And a lot of people have faced a lot of that. It's perfectly normal. But I'm going to tell you this. It's also crippling. It's crippling to think about things from which we may never derive, or about which we may never derive an answer. Not only is it crippling, but it's unnecessary. Now, when I say unnecessary, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that as an indictment. I don't mean that to inflict more pain on you if you're already dealing with pain. I mean that I want you to receive comfort from what Jesus Christ has done. You see, and I know I say this a lot, the Bible doesn't shy away from real people. In fact, on the contrary, the Bible is full of real people, and I want to introduce one of them to you right now. It's a man who we read about in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 we, we meet a man, you've, you've probably even met him before, and he has a son who's, who's dealt with demon possession his entire life. And you might say, again, well, I've never met anyone who has demon possession, but when you hear about how crippling this son's life was with demon possession, I bet you've heard someone who has a disease that's equally crippling. And this man's son has dealt with this his entire life, and so this father has dealt with it his entire life. He's dealt with it since childhood, and the father just wants his son to be healed. He just wants his son to be whole. And it seems like nothing can bring it about. In fact, since the child was born, no one's been able to heal him. And so his base of knowledge tells him that healing isn't possible. And now comes the news of this, this man named Jesus who's working miracles. And not only is Jesus working miracles, but his disciples are working miracles. And so this man goes to Jesus' disciples and the disciples are unable to heal him. And so Jesus wants to meet the man, wants to meet the boy. And after they can't possibly heal him, 
Jesus says this. He says, you unbelieving generation. This is Mark 9, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 19. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay, stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now remember that Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. Remember that because that's gonna come up again. Well, Jesus tells this man, I want you to pay attention and I want you to focus. He, he says to this man, I, I want you to see what I'm about to do. And the man says, look, I wanna see it. I wanna believe that it's possible. I, I wanna know that you can heal him. And Jesus says, all things are possible for him who believes. And now the most important response is the response of this man. He says, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. You know, when Jesus said this unbelieving generation, he, he wasn't, wasn't clear exactly who he was speaking to. He was speaking to the crowd and, and invariably the father was there too and he heard it and his disciples heard it. And now when Jesus says all things are possible for one who believes, this father says, I count myself among that unbelieving generation. I want to believe. I do believe. But I'm captivated. I'm crippled by unbelief. And Jesus meets him there. Jesus meets him in that unbelief. And as he meets him in that unbelief, he does something miraculous. Not only does he heal this man's son, but he restores and renews the faith of this man. As he heals the son, as he casts out the demon, as the boy is restored and made whole, so too is the faith of this one who, who, who is mired in unbelief and crippled by it pretty interesting the way that this happens and it's important for us to see as well the truth is there were a lot of people who were dealing with illness and pain and difficulty during the time and Jesus Jesus didn't change each one of those situations he didn't make everyone whole the promise isn't that but the promise is that he will complete our faith the promise is that we can have confidence in our faith and the way that we have confidence in our faith is exactly what's spoken of in this account in Mark it's by focusing ourselves on Jesus rather than on us. It's focusing on what Jesus Christ has done and focusing on what God is doing through Jesus Christ rather than focusing on ourselves because the more that we focus on ourselves, the more that we lose hope because what we will always find is that we are not enough. What we will always find is that we don't trust enough or believe enough. But when we focus on Jesus, what we will find is completeness and perfection and wholeness. When we focus on Jesus, what we will find is that we can have confidence in our faith and that our faith can bring us hope in the most difficult situations. And so the most important thing for us to do is to stop worrying about what we have done. In fact, the more we focus on God, the more we see what he is doing for us, the more we see him working through our faith, in fact, in Luke chapter eleven thirteen, in Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says this: If you know how to good give give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to all of those who ask Him? He gives the Holy Spirit a good gift given to the people of God, and that gift is given not just not just when we ask for it, but even when we don't, even when it's given to us in holy baptism, which is the place where God works and allows his Holy Spirit to indwell us. In holy baptism, we are given the gift of the Spirit. And so when you ask that question, is my faith enough? What you're asking is, how much of the Holy Spirit do I need? 
which is really a different question. Because that question yields another question. How much of the Holy Spirit do I have? And the answer, brothers and sisters, is clear. When God gives it, he gives enough. That's the answer. Enough. Enough faith. Enough of the Holy Spirit. Enough of the work of God. You have enough. And you know how you can have confidence in it? Because it's not of you. Instead, it's of God. We aren't worthy. We don't have enough. We aren't good enough. We aren't acceptable enough. We don't believe enough. We don't trust enough. And it's not about us. It's instead about God. He doesn't love us or work in our lives because we do enough or believe enough or trust enough. He does and works in our lives because of the love of God shown in Jesus Christ. And that love is enough. And so the antidote to worrying about whether we have enough faith is back in Romans chapter 5. And it's repeated over and over again for the glory of God, for the glory of God, that we glory in what God has done. That's, that's the antidote to our worry. Instead of focusing on if we have enough or if we are enough or if we've done enough, instead it's focusing on what Jesus Christ has done and giving glory to him, saying thanks be to the Father that he has sent his Son. That's the confidence of faith because faith is the work of God the Holy Spirit. And the work of God the Holy Spirit is always enough. Glory be to Jesus. Amen.